Welcome back to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG video game titled Avowed. We are not affiliated with Obsidian in any way. We would gladly like any of their posts with news about the game, but we're not part of the Obsidian company. This is just a fan podcast. My name is Sora, and I will be your host today as we talk about story and video games. And in this episode today, specifically, we're talking about what makes a good story, uh, what are some stories in video games that we've experienced that we really like, and what makes a good RPG story. You have proved yourself more polite than most. I will humor you. For time. You have my permission to continue. So welcome to the Outcast, everyone. We uh, have a big show today. We have more guests today than I think we've ever had, which is fantastic. We got a lot of voices today that want to share their thoughts with you. Um, today, we're focusing on story, and we're going to talk about our thoughts on storytelling as an art form, and then kind of storytelling specifically toward video games and, and role-playing video games. And of course, we're going to feed into uh, Pillars of Eternity discussion and talk a little bit about our thoughts about the story that might happen in Avowed. We want to let all our listeners know today there are no spoilers. We are not going to give away any key uh, huge spoilers. Uh, we'll talk about things that you would know generally by just visiting uh, the wiki for a game or reading the description of a game. We can talk about that stuff. We won't give out any huge secrets or any huge plot points. Um, but I uh, just want to let you know you're safe to listen today without worrying about giving stuff away. Um, I wanted to start, though, uh, to let give everybody just a chance to catch us up on, on what you're doing. Um, you know, just kind of give us a rundown. It can be about what games you're playing or what you've been up to. All of that's fine. I'll, I'll start with uh, Gingerina, man. What, are you, what have you been up to? Well, I stopped playing Cyberpunk because I knew it was going to make you angry. Yes, no. good. Move on to better, better <laughs> things. Uh, actually, in glitches are turned bearable. I I wish I had more glitches. This stupid game. Uh, I am not naked, t posing, so it makes me sad. So I decided in preparation for this episode, I was going to start playing two games. I was going to pick a game that I love that had story in it, just to dive back into it, and then I was going to do a Google search to see what the internet thought I should play. So one game from my past that I love for the story is Final Fantasy VII. So I went good, back and started playing choice. the original. Yeah, I love that game. Did you play played, the original? When you say original, what do you mean? I like you the mean? original PS1. I, I mean, my PS1 no longer works. Uh, I don't even know where it is. So, you know, I have uh, a copy of that one on my phone as well as on my Switch, and I play it on there occasionally. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other game that I'm playing, uh, so I did a Google search for video games with the best story, and I got a lot of results. But I want to ask, what do you guys think was the most mentioned game? I know what it is, but I'll let other people say. Yeah, Like on on, on the internet, or? Yeah, so like I just did a Google search, best game, best story in RPG games. And I, I just looked at forum posts and stuff, but what do you think was mentioned more than anything else? I'm gonna take a guess and say Oblivion. No, nah. Oh, I'd, wow. say, I'd say Morrowind. Plains no. It has to be Morrowind uh, or Oblivion. Uh, uh, I yeah, heard that it. Is I true. heard it. Plains Did you really? Planescape. 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 Yeah, yeah. got it in one. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So I okay. I installed Planescape Torment on my phone of all things because I could get it on Android, <laughs> and 
I, you know what? It sounds dumb, but it is actually really good on my phone. I have this like little stylus that comes out of the side of it. Oh, it's perfect for playing that game. Uh, I've only got like two and a half hours in though, so I don't have much on the story, but it's yeah, that's been right. Delightful. And that tree, I'm tree, I agree with you. I love the story in Oblivion. I just think it gets overlooked. I just think people yeah, don't, yeah. I think people don't appreciate it enough. And so, uh, so uh, it was a, one of the more solid Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Gingerina, I, and this I understand this is not an RPG, but like anytime you type story in video game in Google, <laughs> it's The Last of Us. It oh, always it I, always oh, yeah, hits yeah. the top of the list. It's just yeah. like, it's the perennial title that everybody uses as an example. Maybe it's a location services thing. Everyone in my area just loves the old Infinity <laughs> Engine games. Well, I think that's great. <laughs> Planescape also had one hell of a head start. Yeah. Yeah. I've to be I'm fair. Like really into it. I mean, the combat for me is very dated. Pillars was my first CRPG, so I'm having to uh, get used to that flavor, but that's all right. That is all right. Uh, so what are you what have you been up to, Jed Mandu? I'm glad you could join us today. What what games yeah, have you been like playing? The, like the Chilean miners emerging from the cave. I've returned. Yes, good. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> it's uh yeah, so it's been a minute since I've since I've been on the, the Avowed cast. And since uh since my last appearance, I've been I mean, I've played a lot of stuff, man. I've played about two hundred hours of Final Fantasy fourteen uh online, which Really? Yes, it's so, an MMO. But are you also, wait? Are you new yeah. to this? I can't remember. Are you? Did you just start it, or have the, you been doing it for a long time? Oh no, I picked it up around. Oh god, like I want to say like around the new year, maybe a little bit before. Oh okay. Um, but I just oh man, I just binged that game so hard. I've, I've been <laughs> in a I've been in a real bingey mood lately, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely very MMOy, but also the 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 story in that game is really good. I mean, it, it's a Final Fantasy game. You you know that's kind of what you expect, but like you don't expect it from an MMO. Um, yeah, like, no, I, I love that game. I was deep into that as well, so I totally get oh, the yeah? addiction. I totally do. Yeah, I, I when it first came out, I, I was hardcore. I know it's it 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 has been. Uh, they had the re-release, and I jumped in at the re-release whenever that happened. And but I haven't played it in a while. Yo, so. wait, did you play 1.0 like before? Yeah, yeah, 1? yeah. I oh played when it, it originally came out, and then and then they they caught a lot of you know trash, and then they did the I forget what they called the re-release, but it was like re yeah, a Realm Reborn. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, and and it was better. Yes, much better. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, gameplay system wise and everything, it's just it's it's amazing, um, but. After that, I bounced over to Mount and Blade to Bannerlord. Um, I've always been a, a huge Mount and Blade fan ever since Warband came out. Like, I mean, I've probably got about 100 hours logged <clears throat> in Warband, but wow. I've also put about 100 hours into Bannerlord <laughs> wow. uh, over the past month or so. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I've never, never played it. I never, never touched it. So I, I mean, it's not exactly germane to the conversation we're having today. Um, the story is pretty bare bones, but as a sort of medieval army simulator kind of thing and like combat simulator, it's really pretty good. Um, and then finally, something that actually is germane to the uh, today's topic, um, Age of Decadence. Mm. Anybody else heard of that? Actually, I, I, I know Chestnut. 
Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's one of the highest rated. I think it's one of the highest rated RPGs on Steam. Really? Uh, I've heard of this. I gotta mm. try. Everyone yeah. frantically Everybody's Everybody's I hadn't heard anything about it. Like it came out in like twenty. I want to say like twenty seventeen, and was just met with like no reception whatsoever. But <laughs> holy crap, this game is amazing. It's it's like it's uh, a post apocalyptic uh, fantasy, like very low magic kind of roman setting oh my god it's like 12 dollars. i'm totally buying it dude get yeah, it. what would you incredible. say is your favorite part of this game it kind of gives me like runescape vibes a little bit i don't know for some reason <laughs> and i have <laughs> bought it all right awesome okay nice. <laughs> Agent devs get at me i'm apparently a really good salesman yes. <laughs> um, jed man do is an influencer <laughs> I'm I'm on the uh, Wikipedia page right now, and I see that you can choose from eight backgrounds and professions. So I'm I'm already sold on it. So oh yeah, you. and those those have pretty much nothing to do with your stats or your, I mean, well, you know, they they suggest stats for each for each profession, but you can be whatever. You know, you you can tweak your stats whatever you want. Um, the coolest thing about it is that there, it's like eight or nine games rolled into one or eight or nine storylines all rolled into one. And you can like freely swap between them very, very organically. Um, like I started out as a member of a thieves guild and then like, you know, I come into contact with the, with the Lord of the little town I start in and I'm like, maybe I want to work for this guy. And so I start following him down, but then I'm also still doing thieves guild stuff on the side. And like, it's all super well told, really organic. And the story branches, all over the place and it's it's just super cool it's a really good game so i heard parenthesis chime in have you played this parenthesis i played the demo back in the day and uh sadly it, it wasn't for me i can see the appeal but it's just a tiny teeny bit too grognardy for me uh it, yeah the presentation doesn't wow it just wow me and it just oh, seems yeah. so oh, oh you you did the wrong stat allocation well fuck you buddy <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it has a, a reputation for being incredibly, incredibly deadly in combat. If, wow. if you're going to combat, you must you must respect for combat. Then you have a chance. Yes, that reputation is very well deserved. Um, so it's a roguelike kind of, I guess. Or... Not really. It's it's just very punishing. Okay. It, uh, combat Ooh. is yeah. Uh, you, you, like it's like you said, you have to be a warrior or like a, you know. You you have to specialize in order to get anywhere. Wow. Okay. I'm, I immediately I'm... regret my decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's I'm good. Just kidding, like I'm just it. kidding. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I want my money back. No. <laughs> hey okay, Jesse. Yeah. What have you What have you been playing, man? Uh, you know what? Lately, lately, I've been playing um Shadow of Mordor. Um, because I, I never got that one when it actually came out. Um, nice. I like. I, it's it's a solid mix of this is stupid and a solid mix of this is really damn good but um I, that's not even what i want to talk about i it's been a long time since i've been on the podcast and what i am most excited about that i've played really recently was greedfall oh yeah, oh, man, yeah. I, I, have any of you played greedfall I, like i have all? i have played it oh i it feels like an old bioware rpg but with like a lot of modernized mechanics, you know, it's uh, because you know, modern modern gaming, you're spoiled on a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's graphically or just as far as 
uh, mechanics and interaction and controls. Like, it's really hard to go back for me and play older RPGs just because it's like, this feels clunky. But mm-hmm. Greedfall, su- superb world building. I bought it on a whim because my wife and I had just watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like I need a pirate game in my life. There and you so go. I saw that <laughs> one. I saw rave reviews for RPG. I was like, okay, great. And then the cover, uh, the main character is wearing a pirate hat. So I was like, ah, that's good enough for me. Um, I, <laughs> I, I was a little disappointed to find out that it has absolutely nothing to do with any pirates or sailing or anything. But um, it's it, for just to summarize a little bit, it's basically um, Spain, Persia, and France colonizing the New World. But like. Huh. Uh, it, you know, it's instead of Spain, it's Teleme. Instead of France, it's the Congregation of Merchants. You know, it's it's its own unique world building. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's really, really good. Um, I, I had a few complaints throughout the entire game. Like it was one of the first games in a long time that I've sat down, played all the way through, and didn't play a single game until I beat it. Wow, that's a <clears throat> so, hell of an endorsement. Yeah, no, it, I I was completely glued to the screen. Um, for like the first 20 minutes, I thought I had wasted my money because um, they throw some really awkward dialogue, some really eh cutscenes, and some of the ugliest faces in the entire game at you within the first 20 <laughs> minutes. I looked at, I was like, I felt like I had bought OG Oblivion. Right, Everything right. Was so no, bad. I had the same same reaction. <laughs> I love that game. You. I think it's a good game. I I mean, I have a few minor things that I didn't like about it, but overall, I think it's fantastic. It was my brother recommended it to me because he knew I was a huge, you know, Skyrim Fallout fan, and, and it kind of has that same feel, kind of a little mm-hmm. bit to it. Uh, it is if it is on Game Pass right now. If you guys, I don't know if anybody yeah. does oh, cool. Game Pass, but it's free on I Game Pass. Uh, yeah, and it's the quest for it's got those uh, perks quests for this month, I believe. Greedfall is one of them. Yeah, yeah. And it the, and it's also usually it'll if you wait. I've seen it drop to like fourteen dollars on Steam. It'll it'll when the sale comes, it'll hit that point. Mm-hmm. So you don't pay fifty dollars for it. Wait for it. Yeah. Now, Jesse. But, uh, if there is a single game that is worth paying full price for that that has been released recently, I would say it was Greedfall. Um, I, it came out the same year as Sekiro, and the only reason Greedfall wasn't my game of the year was because I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'd say that it's cursed because for some reason it has kind of fallen under the radar, and I'm not sure why. It but... has. It, it, it does have some issues. It really likes to throw... Um, it, it doesn't know when to make a quest simple in my opinion. That's true. You know, I mean, you can guarantee if someone asks you, hey, Desarde, can you scratch my back? You're going to be like, well, why don't you let, you know, your parents scratch your back or your girlfriend? He'll be like, my girlfriend is dead and my mom doesn't talk to me anymore because she doesn't like my girlfriend. And you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I I can go talk to your mom for you. And Desarde will just volunteer that. And so you'll go and talk to the mom and be like, hey, you're son has an itchy back you should go scratch it for him and she'll be like uh no i don't like talking to my son anymore and you'll be like yeah he told me about that um why why do you not do that he said that you really didn't like his girlfriend and she'll be like oh it's i I liked her well enough uh it's just that they they banged during my husband's funeral (laughs) jesse don't you know that more words mean better story (laughs) 
Come on. <laughs> I, was, I, I literally. I, that is a perfect is... example, by the way. That is a perfect example. That is exactly <laughs> what happens. And, and it, it, it never, that's, yeah, that's barely an exaggeration. It, every single quest gets complicated. It gives you a simple preface and doesn't know when to just let the quest end there. Everything is way more complicated below the surface. I do and, like the way it starts, though. I like the intro. Yes. I thought it's one of the better examples of getting someone into a game, um, in my opinion. That whole, well, I forgot the name of the place that you start at, but uh, before you, your ship Therene, takes off. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, but the, it's, you, you could literally spend, you know, I mean, maybe an exaggeration, eight to 10 hours in that little area, but it's really well done. And I did. And, I did. Yeah. And it I, feels cool. It's different. Yeah. And the, the combat the combat has a little bit of a curve. It almost feels kind of like a Souls game at times. Um, so like it, it's interesting enough to keep you engaged, but that's that's my other like uh this this kind of sucks uh complaint about it is that once you get higher level it becomes really trivial and enemies respawn quickly enough that if you're just trying to go talk to Steve down the road, you're going to run into the same things you fought over and over and over again. And it just gets really tiring and annoying at some point because it's so trivial and easy, but um, it's, it's, it's good enough for the early to mid game that you actually really have to try and it's challenging. And I, I really enjoyed it all the way around. Cool. Good recommendation. Plus, yeah. Plus the, uh, the romance in the game is actually like, it doesn't feel forced and weird like the, the characters are well written enough that you actually like do get emotionally attached to them so highly recommend nothing plus wow. excellent uh lazar what have you what have you been doing yeah so uh i mentioned before that i managed to convince my girlfriend to play dragon age inquisition and we have gotten to the point where it's kind of a ritual for us now to like play every evening a couple of hours <laughs> And now, now we are at around like 80, 80 to 90 hours in, in her gameplay, in her character. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we are, we, we are enjoying it very much. I really like how she, she, she really pays attention to the details and the lore and stuff like that. And I cannot wait uh, what she's going to say when, when the game will end. Because, you know... Uh, it, you know, because uh, she likes the characters as well, and I, I'm, I'm just, I just can't wait uh, to see her face. Do you think she will uh, go back and want to play uh, one of the earlier ones, like Origins, or? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. Like she, she, she's been already asking about, you know, when, when did the the previous games come out, and you know, if they are on PS4, and you know, stuff like that. I don't know when, uh, but she will definitely try to go back. And I think they're all good. I mean, Dragon Age Two gets gets a bad rap, but I think they're all good, in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. But Inquisition, I think, really shines in that it's. uh, I've always said I feel like it's the most mass market of any of the games. That's not a negative. I think it's a positive, and that a lot of people can enjoy it because it has so many options and so much richness in it. Yeah, it's definitely the the most appealing uh, of, of of the games. Definitely, just you know, even just you know the atmosphere. You know, it's it's not that you know hardcore dark fantasy as you know the the origins, for example. Right, and it has humor in it. I love the humor in that game. Yeah. So. 
yeah, yeah. The humor is, yeah. <laughs> but just you know, like like every Dragon Age and Mass Effect game, I, I can't say any of the uh, can't say anything of any of the other Bioware games because I haven't played them. But I'm pretty sure that it's a, it's a it's a Bioware special, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. This is a tiny thing, but um, I haven't played a Dragon Age since Origins. In in Inquisition, do you still come out of every fight? Looking like you've been like lashed with the uh, with like strawberry jelly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, good. It's a little bit out, out, although it's a little bit out of place there because uh, again, you know, it's not a hardcore dark fantasy. Uh, it's kind of a, a cla- classic, classic fantasy, uh, uh, you know, uh, game. And then you're like, what? What? Why the fuck? <laughs> like, do, do you look like <laughs> you're be... you're coming from a uh, uh, kind of, you know, pig killing ceremony or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, parenthesis, where you're next? What? Tell us what you've been doing. I've been playing a whole lot of uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. Oh or, yeah. Or rather, playing it again after the last update invalidated all my saves. My uh, I shouldn't have modded that game. But uh, yeah, um. Actually, now that I've been playing it for a second time, I've been noticing some things like I actually really, really like how they spread out the companion quests across the entire game. It felt really like, oh, well, you start with, with this issue and then it, it evolves, evolves and moves on. It becomes bigger and bigger and you begin to understand these. It, it's not like in, in most of the games where it's like it happens like one or twice during the campaign. This is like for those who don't know, Pathfinder Kingmaker takes place over several years in-game. And here it feels like, yeah, yeah, well, okay, this person has a thing, and that thing needs resolving, but it's it's not a simple thing. It's, of course, different, but yeah, that, that feels true to life. It feels like you are on a journey just to, to deal with this issue one way or the other. And I also really like how the game dealt, had a uh, just one more issue you had to deal with deal with just like you know civilization has just one more turn you know i'll just need my counselor to, to figure out this and oh there's this problem i have to actually go out and quest for and then i can come back and oh now, now there's this and that and that, that that's uh that, that gets to you it might not be the healthiest of things but it gets to you <laughs> yeah i i want i love kingmaker for that it, it just keeps leading you leading you along and i also love how it how it really does feel like things don't just happen to you you know it's like you said, things happen to your companions over the course of, of your journey, and it's 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 super engaging. It also has a good uh, integration of, well, at least engaging integration of story and management mechanics. Ooh. It's on I my list. That. It's on my wish, wish list. I need to I need to pop that one in. Um, Triometry, you're up. What what have you been doing? Oh, uh, so I've actually borrowed my friend's PlayStation 4, and I actually got a chance to touch on Dreams. So I don't know if you guys heard of the. Oh title. my god! <laughs> that's a, okay, that's a whole. I would. I've. I've wanted to jump into, but I'm scared to jump into. You know what? I'll tell you something. I. I did touch into it a lot so i spent a lot of time playing it and my friend was like was very generous enough to give it to me for like at least two weeks and so um i was able to grasp the whole entire i would say craft making game game making process in like say a week 
about a week. So I was actually trying to recreate the Elder Scrolls Six map oh, from the trailer. Wow. <laughs> the whole entire map from the trailer. So I was like, you know what? It looks so nice. I was like, I had to do it, right? Um, unfortunately, obviously, <laughs> I'm a beginner. It, you don't want to expect too much. But um, I got as far as I would say just creating a very plain landscape with like some really nice mountains, uh, cool sky with clouds and whatnot. So so I would say my, my building, my crafting is very top notch. But in terms of the time process, like the time management, it's just, it's a little bit difficult. So you guys, like for those that don't know, obviously like, I'll just send a link right now. You can achieve pretty photorealistic. I don't want to say very, very realistic graphics, but it, it's really up there. And um, to see it on like the PlayStation 4 architecture is just uh, really beautiful. Um, uh, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's unfortunately, really cool. I know, I know, but but like the thing is, is unfortunately like um on the on the PlayStation Four in particular, like it, its hardware specifications is so anemic to the point where you know building anything on there starts to become a challenge because you're just really starting to hit those CPU and GPU limits. So so you're either better off on just like the next gen consoles to build something in general because like oh man the, the 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 amount of limitations you get on this is just. Oof. Well, I think this, this walk in the park thing runs as well as it does. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it's one of those. Uh, I have really strong opinions about dreams because I, I think it's genius. And I think it's only problem. The only problem with it is that it is a Sony product. And by that, oh, yeah. I, yeah. By that I mean oh. exactly what you just said is that it is, it is restricted by the platform. If this 100. was on, if this was on PC, could you imagine what oh, people Jesus. would be making with this? You know what? You know what? <laughs> so awesome. I totally agree with you. And, and and the thing is, is that later this year, I do plan on getting a PC. And I, I was thinking of getting next-gen consoles, but I was like, you know what? There's just so many, like, exclusives and limitations. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a PC. And instead of, you know, depending on dreams, I actually want to get into really professional game design. So I probably just want to touch my hands on things like Unreal Engine and Unity, just to sort of, like, really know how to, like, start building stuff. So I want to start with, like, maybe something simple, very simple like world building maybe not too complex animations stuff like that i'm still not too knowledgeable about uh but yeah definitely by october i want to build one and be able to just touch on really professional game building there's so and... much out there for both uh unity and unreal but mainly unity seems to be the one that i think mm -hmm. um uh has the most information out there for free on how to oh, learn yeah. how to program definitely. and use it and it's such an incredible platform. Definitely. I mean, if people don't, people play games and I mean, not to take anything away from graphic and game design, but the tool that is embedded in that engine is ridiculous. I mean, I know. The, th the things it does for you automatically in oh, yeah. game I know. design. I know. It, it, it really is amazing. Like uh, the, the, there's nothing else you could say about it. Like it just really does uh, give you a lot of uh, potential or there is a lot of potential within the programs and the engines and solve that just, you can utilize so much assets to just uh, maybe even a bit of simple artificial intelligence and whatnot. It really is mesmerizing to the, to that point. But the ramp to get in <clears throat> is still too steep. I mean, it's, it is. it's it not is. as steep as it used to be, but it's too, that's why dreams is the ideal platform exactly. because exactly. if they can take something like that put it on a pc where there are no limits where there where there's better uh manipulation of things you're not using a, a controller know. for it and 
you just kind of open up and then make make part of it open source where people can mod and then you're you're the sky's the limit any kid any <laughs> any kid in eighth grade could make a skyrim i mean hey, wait that's exactly minute. isn't well, this just vr chat <laughs> oh my god <laughs> have you seen some of the shit people have made in vr chat because that's basically dreams on pc yeah. is it really more or less um, I'm gonna have to research that. It's you. You can get real complex with with VR chat maps. Apparently, mm -hmm. like I've seen, I've seen entire like adventure maps made on there mm -hmm. that, are, that are like their own self contained games. Wow. Then why don't we have a fan made Elden Ring? That's what. I'm <laughs> there we go. Elden Ring VR. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up and tell you the the, the guilty pleasure. I, and I blame this on one person in particular because um, I like placing blame. And this person in particular, I blame very heavily. Um, I haven't reached the forgiveness level yet, but <laughs> I imagine I will get there some point. Oh, no. um, and it's the infamous Kiwi. And <laughs> I'm blaming Kiwi because because he's not here. Well, <laughs> and because yeah, he point. mentioned good something point. last time on the podcast we haven't put out yet, it'll come out in a week or so, but he mentioned uh, that he's got, he's really heavily into uh, Warcraft uh, classic, um, World oh, of Warcraft man. classic. Oh. And okay. I started it back in whenever it was came out 2019, I guess, because uh, I was a big Warcraft player, but um, now this weekend or they're currently going through news for Blizzard and talking about the new Diablo. Well, the remaking Diablo 2 for for consoles and stuff. And so I, I decided to jump back in and see if any of my old buddies were still on the server. Um, everybody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, it's I still jumped in anyway. And then then I come on this podcast. And now I maybe I have another grudge. Maybe I have somebody else I can't forgive because then somebody I don't I don't remember who who it could be mentioned me. Final Fantasy, and now <laughs> now yeah, I yeah. might jump back into that. Yeah. So that that's bad. Also, that's all, I'm sorry. That's all bad. <laughs> yeah, but I've been playing some of that just just here and there, and then um, that, that some games on um switch you know a few games here and there on the switch uh but that's that's pretty much it for me lately i'm uh, i i've gotten some great tips from you guys though there's several that you've mentioned that i want to jump into so that might be my next thing that i do um so we're here to talk about storytelling today but before before we get heavy into it i wanted to um again we're not going to do any major spoilers but i wanted to talk a little bit about um this ted talk i saw um it happened in Stockholm in 2017. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, and I think the title of it was something like, is storytelling the most powerful tool of all? Great TED Talk, um, but he hits on a couple of things that I thought were pertinent to today. And he talks about how in 2009, there was this journalist named Rob Walker who bought 200 objects from eBay. And he paid an average of a dollar for each object he bought. In total, he spent maybe $199 on all of these objects. Then he had this theory. He decided he would repost the objects on eBay. But before he did that, he found 200 professional authors and asked them to write a short story or a short snippet describing each of the objects. And they did that and then posted the objects back on eBay with that small story attached to the post. 
one, this is just one example. One of the items he talks about was a plaster horse head. that looks like it was painted. It looks like it was painted by an eight year old. Honestly, it's absolutely <laughs> atrocious. He bought it for 99 cents, right? Um, sits on your desk. It's just really ugly looking. It sold on eBay after the story was written for it for $63. Damn. So out of and I all, do not regret that purchase. Yeah, I'm sure. I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah. I knew that was coming. Um, it's beautiful. I think you made a good purchase. <clears throat> I mean, what a good story. Um, but of all those 200 objects that he bought for $199, when he resold them on eBay and attached these stories to them, um, these engaging stories, he was able to make $8,000 off of those products. So that is a pretty big upscale. And basically what he learned from that was that storytelling bonds us. It, 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 and then he went into detail about some some chemical things related to storytelling. And I don't want to get too much into the science, but in general, what he, he boiled it down to was that with storytelling, there's really three main um, chemical reactions that happen in the body. And he, he talks about dopamine and dopamine is that neurotransmitter in your body that it makes mm -hmm. your nervous system. It uses it to send messages throughout your body. It kind of plays a role in how we feel pleasure. It's a big part of our human ability to think and plan. Um, helps us kind of strive, focus. Then he talks about oxy, oxytocin uh, and how that helps us by, uh, we creates empathy, um, provokes a feeling of being human. And then he talks about endorphins and how in storytelling, endorphins are important because they're the release. They're like the humor, the exhale, the... Uh, it kind of pairs well with the conflict and dopamine where it kind of is the, the resolution, the, the release. Um, so between those three things, um, dopamine, oxytocin and endorphins, the dopamine kind of builds the suspense, creates the conflict, launches the cliffhanger. Oxytocin is where you create empathy for a character, trust, relatability on a universal scale to human beings. And endorphins in storytelling is where you kind of make people laugh or you have that lighthearted moment with the serious moment. There's vulnerability. So you mm -hmm. basically have those three things, risk, empathy and vulnerability. Um, and I thought that was interesting on a scientific level to look at storytelling. I, I thought it was a really well put analysis um, of how, you know, there is something happening in our body when we're reacting to good storytelling. Um, and to kind of start it off, I'm going to use this uh, one quote from a guy named Lou Hunter. He's a great uh, Emmy-winning American screenwriter. He taught thousands of famous people at the UCLA College of Screenwriting. And he basically boiled um, storytelling uh, into three acts and made it very simple. This, of course, is black and white, but this was his thought, and I'd be interested in, in what you think about this analysis of a good story. And he basically says, a good story is divided into three very simple acts. In act one, you get the character up a tree. In act two, you throw rocks at the character in the tree. <laughs> and act three, you get the character down from the tree. And his theory is that what you're doing is you're, you're building suspense, you're developing risk and conflict, and you're resolving that conflict. And while it's oversimplified, it, it proves the point that creating this maybe positive chemical response through storytelling mechanics like suspense, conflict, cliffhangers, tension, it 
it kind of pulls you in and personalizes the, the story for the person. So do you think that's oversimplifying it or do you think he's hit on something? No, that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. Cause I forget, uh, I forget exactly where I saw it, but if you pay attention to most, uh, most stories, I mean, even like something like star Wars, um, they go through a, a really predictable and really easy to understand um, kind of dip as far as emotions go, where you start off, like, say, Luke on Tatooine, staring off into the sunset, kind of wants something more out of life, meets his mentor, so he gets a little bit of a lift up, <clears throat> and he's riding high, he gets to go on the Millennium Falcon with Han and Chewie, and then Ben dies. <laughs> and right. so he has this really emotional low and everyone's sad and everything sucks. And then they blow up the Death Star and Han helps. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, <laughs> if you pay attention, it's always, you know, always pretty mass start, emotional high, emotional low, and then cathartic, uh, high again at the end so i mean that that's that's basic storytelling i mean that it, happens throughout all pretty much any show or movie you watch that that's what happens right yeah, so, i mean it's, it's the same as like you know when you're you know when you're becoming friends with someone you you meet them you bond with them and you celebrate with them you know it's 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 that's it replicates that same sort of uh it's like it's almost like a parasocial kind of thing right where it's where it's like you're you feel like you know this fictional person because you've suffered with them and you celebrated with them yeah. and like that's that's kind of what a human connection is so then here here we go our story is really more about um feeling than they are about writing because Maya Angelou, she has that famous quote where she says, uh, I've learned people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. that, is that what a great story is all about? Boiled down to making you feel something. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why a, a story like fallout four falls so flat for a lot of people because you have no time to bond to Sean or Nora. Uh, you just, you basically, you, you see them uh, in a day uh, to day life and then they die or yeah. Sean is taken away. And that's it. That's why it falls so flat because you as a player don't have any real emotional connection to them versus a game like Final Fantasy seven, which I'll be honest, I don't like that much, but a lot of people consider it so amazing because you see Aerith die. And that was an emotional bond that the player was able to develop over gameplay. And then it's that character is taken away from you. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, one of my one of my favorite games story wise is actually Near Automata. Um, mm. If anyone's played that, I've seen that on several lists of of top stories and games. Actually, so yeah. And I mean that that game at a certain point just becomes a series of gut punches and like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's 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 really incredible how because you because you do spend like the first couple of. <clears throat> acts of the game the first couple of playthroughs really of the game because it has several endings um just bonding with your two main characters and then not just you know i don't want to spoil anything but like catastrophe strikes and you know it, 
it's it's a cool dynamic because like your characters aren't human you know no one in the game is is human they're you know facsimiles of of humans but that 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 in itself is kind of reflective of like how we bond with stories you know we we bond with things that aren't human all the time yes yes but that also raises an important point feelings might be I mean, if you can't empathize with the characters in a book, if they're entirely alien, then you're, of course, alienated from them and then it can't be engaged. I don't believe you can. But the question is, 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 is writing is, of course, not important. No one wants to read something that does not make sense or cannot get a point across. But I also believe that feelings can be put into other things than, well, people. I mean, otherwise, postmodernism is entirely punk and I don't, it is entirely i mean uh, i know i harp on about this game but i really felt like the the the, the district of martinet in in disco elysium had a character in fact i think that is associated with and and, and you, could, you could kind of it, it became a character along with the main character and your assistant and all the others and became the backdrop from this story so yeah feeling is important but what the question is then, what can we attribute feelings to? Right, and yeah. that, I think that's a good point. Now, does it, if, if 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 we can't really, I think it is kind of black and white to say that. Um, I'm sure some people are saying, well, it's not. It's not just about making you feel. I mean, yes, we get that the dopamine, we get that feeling is a drug, and that that's all we do. That's what we live for. You know, we live so that we can go to movies, read books, play games. That you know, so that we can create those feelings within us. Um, but isn't storytelling? Is there other elements? Like, for example, one of the things that Parenthesis mentioned earlier, um, and I thought kind of struck something in my head about storytelling was the the carrot, the idea that you're always creating new questions with every question you answer, and that and that that carrot on a stick kind of thing is is maybe that blends into like creating these cliffhanger moments where you you always leave the the viewer, the player, the reader um, with like for every question you answer, you leave three unanswered, or you create new questions. Is that good storytelling as well or is it really really simply just about making people feel well i mean even the carrot on the stick is kind of like about feeling you're trying to incite that feeling of desire of wanting to know the answer to it because if That's you're not interested yeah if you're not interested in the answer to those three questions then why would you keep listening to the story or watching the tv show yeah. it's true and that's that's i mean uh I'll, I'll use Skyrim as an example. Um, if you go to into any of the well, Elder Scrolls subs in general, you will see everyone having a huge boner for the the dwarves, the Dwemer. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, half the threads in the Elder Scrolls lore subreddit is about the Dwemer uh, and how what happened to them and all the different theories. And you go on YouTube, there's tons of videos about what happened to the Dwemer, uh, and that's because it's it's an unanswered question. So there's um. There's definitely something to be said about mysterious things being mysterious, and that's just interesting. That, I would feel, is more... I would say that that's more about just um, creating intrigue, and an unanswered question is a lot more interesting than an answered question, because uh, you, it allows you to... Your, your mind to basically go wild and think about all the different possibilities. 
And I, because you don't know, you want to know more. <laughs> so, like, when you don't have... Uh... God, no. That's not where I was going with that. I'm mean, sorry. What were you going to say, Chad? <laughs> I, was, I was just going to be... Well, yeah, I was just no, no say, we get where you were going. Yeah, it's not It's not about emotional connection. Yeah, totally. that's, that's more about just trying to figure out the, the answer more than anything. That's a curiosity. And I was. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't point out the, the power of a half-answered question. Mm. Um, going going back to Nier and Nier Automata, because, God, I just love those games. <laughs> um, some really mysterious metaphysical stuff happens in those games that is brushed upon and then left alone. And it, that's honestly what's got me still thinking about those games a year after playing them. And wanting to go back in and play them again and like get more information and like talk to people about them is the fact that you know that it sets up these really cool questions about you know what it means to be human and what it means to be a conscious you know thinking being and what that even is to begin with and then it kind of shrugs its shoulders and is like well here's maybe one answer i don't know and then you're like, but but wait, but but what? But no, I want more. <laughs> Give me more, damn it, more. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, I'm talking about. There's not. There's fewer people now than there was in the past who don't have an appreciation for video games and how they are a storytelling uh, machine. But I do think that it's still kind of that video game medium gets a bad rap i feel like especially from people who aren't as familiar with it they don't really see it that way um maybe uh i don't know why that is but i was looking up like the history of of stories and video games and i found a couple of good articles um so i'm just going to run down this list real fast about kind of the evolution of video game storytelling um and it's fascinating because when you look at the the beginning of electronic games um, you really are looking at storytelling at the very beginning of it all. Like um, if we move all the way back to pre-graphic stage, you had text adventures, you have the famous Colossal Cave adventure or the one that I, I jump up at and that is Zork and all the Infocon games from the 70s yeah. and the early mm -hmm. 80s. Those textual adventures were story. You were basically navigating through a book you were interacting with the environment yes but there was story there there was there was something going on you were you were engaged you were reading um then you move on to the point and click era is what they call it and that is the lucas arts games um the sierra games i don't know if anybody played king's quest back in the day or Dango, space quest oh, yeah. yeah those are classics and those um those are <laughs> definitely ones that um, I think stand out. The next on the list for the history was, uh, at least in the articles that I looked at, pointed to real-time strategy games and looked specifically at 1994's Orcs and Humans from Blizzard because of the deep lore that was created, but also the use of cutscenes to tell a story and to build mythology within a game um, kind of became a, a, a big thing. Everybody remembers, well, who is, was back around in that time remembers how unique and how great their uh, their cutscenes were. It was very different. Um, so it's not like the cutscenes in Donkey Kong. These were these were like real <laughs> cutscenes with real story. 
Um, then you move on to games that are action adventures. Further down the line, you have things like Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed, Metal Gear Solid. They all had plot-focused storylines. Um, and then, of course, you, you have to focus on the RPGs where storytelling takes a split from being linear to more non-linear. And you have Mass Effect, Fallout, of course, Elder Scrolls, and these non-linear stories where your choices impact what is happening and you're interacting with the environment. But I guess the whole point of going through that list of the history is that my argument is that stories have always been a driving force in games. And yes, there are games like, all right, emails, send them to me, avowedcast.gmail.com. Hate, bring it on. But you have <laughs> stories like, should I say it? Okay, yeah. Call, of Duty, Call of Duty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't you feel better now? Right. How okay. dare you? I know. <laughs> right. So here's the story in Call of Duty. Shoot a bunch of people, blow stuff up, unskippable cutscene. Shoot a bunch of people, blow stuff up, unskippable cutscene. It starts to feel like more of an obstruction to me that is being forced upon you. Um, and that would be something I would say that is a bad example. And I think that is given not this, the, the latest couple of Call of Duties take that out of the equation. I'm talking the, the beginning when, when it was first a franchise and first born. I know now the stories are more developed, but at the beginning, we're talking, you know, this is uh, Wolfenstein. This is go around and shoot things and blow stuff up. And that, I think, is why video games have a bad rap as far as storytelling. Is a lot of people see games as that instead of things like Zork or King's Quest or Tomb Raider or Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Well, um, well yeah. Because, no, I mean, I remember telling my mom about Telltale's The Walking Dead as a kid and being like how, telling her how much I loved it and how great the characters were. And she was like blown away and so confused because to her video games were still like Mario, like a small Italian man that jumps over <laughs> turtles and stuff like that. And she didn't understand that they had progressed. Hey, that is a great narrative right there. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are still at the Atari stage. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever read the, the, uh, the story behind Pong? It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think to some extent, have you guys ever heard the the phrase the medium is the message yeah right like i think that video games can do things i think i think that a video game story is successful when it could not be told in any other medium you know what i mean so can can you expand on that i'm actually curious too yeah so okay what when i when i say that what i really mean is Video game stories. Oh boy, how should I how should I go about this? Have Don't worry. I'm yeah. People are going to forgive you after what I just said. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay. Think about something like uh, I guess like Fallout New Vegas, right? Where the story branches and branches and branches, and there's tons of things that would not happen without your direct action. Um. And I'm not talking about like you do this thing or you die, it, you know, like Sora was talking about with with the Call of Duty games where it's like, OK, well, the story is just going to do its thing and you are going to be there and you're going to shoot a man or you're not. Whatever. doesn't matter. Just don't get shot too much and you'll be OK. Whatever. It's like a you know theme park ride or, or something. Mm -hmm. Very um, linear. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in a game like 
I mean, Vegas are really a lot of Obsidian RPGs. The fail state usually isn't death, right? The fail state for a lot of actions is more like, oh, well, it's a setback. You know, you 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 have to find another way to clear the ghouls out of this, uh, uh, you know, rocket science lab or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that's the power of video games is like taking your choices, choices that you might have made arbitrarily or that you might have put a lot of meaning into. It doesn't really matter. And converting those choices, parsing them into a story just for you. Oh, so 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 Very just to point. add on to that, is I think a good reference or a good example I think you're referring to is probably a game like Detroit Becoming Human. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong, like yeah, where, yeah. where you have that sort of butterfly effect, no matter like what decisions you make, the game starts to alter itself storyline-wise to start to favor what you've made sort of in yeah. terms of your choice. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, sort of. It's like there are very yeah. few there are very few other media that sort of actively listen to the choices. Yeah. that you make or how you interact with it and adapt to that. And I think that's the strength of a video game story yeah, yeah. is adaptation. Yeah. I agree, actually. Yeah. And emerging yeah. storytelling. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. engagement Maybe. with the player. Like, you don't get yeah. that in a book or a movie or even in a, you know, a concept album for music. It's you're along for a ride, but in a video game, you're actively making choices. For the issues with video games is that when they don't do this, because I often feel like it's, it's, it's often, uh, at least... You know, other games and RPGs, and RPGs, RPGs are a bit different. In good RPGs, they do that. But in bad RPGs and in bad shooters and so on, it's they usually don't. It's usually either, I feel it's usually either pass or fail. Kill these enemies and go to the next room or reload. And right. the reload button makes sure, ensures that through the multiverse of reloads you go through, you do everything correctly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, that, and that's why I call out New Vegas as opposed to something like you know fallout 3 where you know you, you can god i hated the dialogue system in that game because it's just like oh you failed the speech check just reload you've got like a five percent chance you'll get yeah, it eventually I hate, that. I hate that so much yeah um and and the other thing that the other thing that video games can do really well and uh, again i am talking about near automata a lot in this podcast but for good reason is metafiction and that is sort of telling a story through the medium itself uh, like for instance in in automata there there are story nuggets that you can just sort of find through uh, through like menu interaction mm. uh, you like, mean yeah that's like, like a lot of yeah, like the ones in that too yeah. Cool. yeah 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 and 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 there's like a whole there's a whole ending well one of uh, there are several endings actually that you can that you can only get through playing the game like a video game and doing dumb shit which mm-hmm. is great but but also i mean it, it it oh god it's hard to explain but it's just so good i i don't it's it's i'm i'm talking myself into a corner here cuz i really don't <laughs> want to spoil anything for that game since it sounds like none of you have really like played it all the way through i 100%ed it because it's amazing it's one of the best stories I think I've ever encountered in a video game, but it, it also doesn't follow that mm-hmm. that branching kind of rule that I talked about. Then again, it's not really an RPG, so 
you know, you know, I want to, I want to add something also onto, onto what you said and also what Sora said. So, um, the thing is, is I think that most games that come out, and I'm not saying most games, let's just say some games. I think one of the reasons why they don't do necessarily such a good job at maybe immersing the player in a storyline has to do with two things. So the first is probably the what's at stake sort of process and the second is just how it's delivered to you so the delivery so i'll be honest like like i played skyrim for instance and i don't know 100 about the storyline i don't think everybody knows 100 about what the storyline is like to its fullest fullest immersive detail um and i think part of the reason has to be with, with is because what's at stake and how it's delivered so the way it's delivered, it's sort of, it's, you have the, like dialogues with characters, right? And some of it is skippable, some of it is not. So the portion that is skippable and, and, and even for some of it, that's kind of forced. I could care less for some of these characters. And I don't mean that added like disrespect for, for these characters at all, but it's just, you know, sometimes they're, 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 their storyline, their backstory or anything they have to explain is just not something of a pressing issue to some players, right? Maybe some players have a different like idea or like taste of what they want or they have interest in. And um, what ends up happening is like, for instance, you know, if you tell me about say, oh my God, you know, my child is starving and yada, yada. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's, that's a pressing issue, but it's more like a pressing issue to that character, not to me. Right. So, so, so when something's more at stake, say if there's like, you know, you know, there's like an apocalyptic words, say like uh, in the last of us, right. I think you can have a much greater chance at writing a more immersive detailed story in that sense because there's just so much responsibility given to the player that even when there's just one tiny thing that's achieved that's done correctly you feel that sense of like a reward in yourself yeah i don't know if you guys understand what i mean but it's like it's like that rewarding feeling like even if it's something tiny hey i helped contribute a little bit you know i sort of yeah. fixed a bit of the problem yeah so yeah. it, it kind of has to do with delivery and what's at stake i think you know some games you know the way they deliver it you know you know why should i care about that story you know that story or that character or yada yada it, it just all depends but i think it's those two components there's a there's a disjointedness to a lot of bethesda characters like in like in mm -hmm. skyrim where it's like I, I have this problem okay that doesn't i mean that's that's cool and like sure I see exactly in the world but like what does that have to do with anything exactly <laughs> exactly and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's why I think a, a game like Kingdom Come Deliverance handles itself so well is because there's actual hard time limits on a lot of matters. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. When when someone tells you my husband is sick, I, he needs medicine, and I can't go get it. If you don't get that medicine for him, he's gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one thing that I enjoy so much about it. So like you know, it, part of it is just how the how the game itself handles time limits and and certain quests if you don't if i still gotta play that game kingdom come i want to play it so bad but i just I know, never have too, the time when it's um when, yeah. when you have a game like skyrim or morrowind or oblivion you know you can do anything in any order no matter how pressing it is mm -hmm. right right when there you have a game like kingdom come that instates really hard time limits on all this stuff that it's like okay you know you you take it a little bit more seriously so there's like pressure on the character to get it done on time and within that re within that sort of like um area exactly so th then you don't have that uh that dissonance issue uh mm -hmm. that a lot of people talk about where you're 
priorities as the player actually lines up really well with that of the character that you're playing as. That's wow. cool, actually. Yeah, because a lot of games are really good about establishing. I mean, setting is a big part of of uh, of any story, obviously. Duh. But um, most games are really, you know, most games can be really good about, you know, establishing where you are, um, you know, how you fit into the world. But like when you are is a different story. And mm. like. It's interesting because that's such a big component of immersion is feeling like you're part of the time stream of this world, right? Mm -hmm. And like this world's just going to keep on going without you. Now, one thing um, I know that somebody already brought up uh, um, who I forgot the, the robot game. What's it called? Uh, Beyond human or something like that. Yeah, Detroit, uh, Detroit. Detroit, Detroit human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Detroit human. Um, so that one, I actually have a stat for you. That's really interesting. And I, I think this also branches us into another conversation and as to why video games, I don't think are appreciated on the level they should, as far as story goes. Um, but um, he also did a Ted talk, uh, the head of the studio, um, and was talking about the creation of the game and the choices. And one of the statistics that he put out there that, that just astounded me, um, I guess it's not surprising, but for a lot of people that don't understand the depth that we're talking about here and how you guys have just hit on all the points of how, uh, how these are nonlinear stories, stories with choice, stories with possibilities. Um, an average film script uh, is 100 pages. <laughs> the script wow. for that game, the the script for that game was five thousand pages. Holy crap! Wow, yeah. hmm. oh. that's pretty on point. Who did we wow. just lose? Uh, I don't think we did anybody. Yeah, I, someone I, left. Oh, it was sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's... Um, but anyway, the idea that that a film script is a hundred pages, a game script is five thousand pages. That just makes you appreciate it a little more. But also, it's a little scary because. That maybe is why some of these games don't invest in story as much as they should. I mean, that's a lot of work. You, you oh, know, yeah. you, you make you make a good point. And and another good reference to that is not just the Detroit Becoming Human. Maybe like for example, a storyline that has to do with the Lord of the Rings, right? So so the Lord of the Rings, like if you just go on Wikipedia and you type in the Lord of the Rings and you talk about anything relating to any storyline in that in that uh, fictional world you'll start to realize just how much detail and effort that was put into it. And it, to some extent, it starts to become very scary just to see how much effort and, and, and how much backstory there is to that fictional world that it starts to become even longer than real life events. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah. so, so, you know, at certain times, don't get me wrong, the detail is nice, you know, the appreciation for that passion. But sometimes when you start to overextend it, I don't, I start to question whether a person will put that amount of, for example, or, or I would say the return in, in sort of their commitment to learn even more. I think there's like a threshold. I think there's like a little bottleneck. There's like a little line that's sort of drawing. Okay. Yeah, sure. You have all this detail, all this sort of work that was done into the storyline. But as soon as it starts to exceed that amount, you know, it starts to become dependent on each person. You know what I mean? I think the attention span, the commitment that's sort right. of put into like learning, right? Like you're starting to risk it now, right? You're there's a, so there's a tolerance yeah. level. Yeah. I exactly. mean, you hit that. And then there was a statistic. Uh, I just looked it up for The Witcher 3. <clears throat> CD Projekt Red released a statistic based on Steam numbers and says that 76% of the people who played Witcher 3 Wild Hunt did not finish the game. 
Mm-hmm. And there, right. and therefore never reach the end of that story. And therefore wow. there, that story arc just kind of stopped somewhere for them. That's yep. a huge majority of people who played a lot of the game, but didn't follow it all the way, basically because of what you were saying. And that maybe because of, uh, I don't know what you would call that fatigue. Maybe. Yeah. You know Definitely. what? You know what? It, it, it kind of has a comp- contribution of both. I'm going to, I'm going to say something like, for instance, with the Witcher three, I did finish it. Like I finished the main storyline, but I didn't finish all the side quests. If that makes sense. Right. Like the, all the little side quests that sort of that's available in the game. Right. Whereas in Skyrim, I finished every single main quest. And even the majority of those like mid quests, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, like the forgotten veil portion and, and yeah. the other, other aspects of the game. But I also did not complete all the side quests as well. So so there's each game has that threshold and, and it just it sort of depends person to person uh for me i was just able to finish the witcher 3 a little bit faster than skyrim i just feel like it has to do i don't know who mentioned before i don't know if it was Jed, Jed Mondu or jesse but it was just like um it just has to do with the fact that like there's a time there's a time to it right so so skyrim just gave me so much more time to complete whatever i want and i felt like if i don't get whatever armor or, or equipment that i need i'm just not going to be ready or prepared prior to that quest whereas the witcher 3 is just like if i just switch it to like beginner difficulty and when i literally just finished it within 90 hours right wow. so it's not as much yeah wow. not as much as like you know skyrim which took me literally like three years to finish <laughs> if i played on like literally every weekend for like four or five hours so speaking as a person who as a rule doesn't finish games um <laughs> i think i have Based. a lot of experience to to to, to tap into here and yeah. for me Honestly, usually what it is, is I I will get to like the middle or like sort of middle to end portion of a game. And either I will do one of two things. Usually I will either restart and like see, you know, what my uh, what different choices would have gotten me Um, because I'll be thinking about like, you know, cool story points from the beginning and middle of the Mm -hmm. game or something new will come along and I'll jump onto that instead and <laughs> just forget all about uh, game number one until, you know, years in the future when I'm, when I'm finally like, okay, let me sit down and actually finish this. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, that's I common. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had restart itis with most of my, uh, most of my RPGs and stuff like yeah. that. Like, but I mean, I'll sit down and finish a game when I really, really like it. Like Greedfall. I, lo- I loved Greedfall, and I made a point to not play any other game because I wanted to finish it. Um, Sekiro, I finished Sekiro, Dark Souls Three, Dark Souls Two, the first Dark Souls, all I all of them as soon uh, as soon as I possibly could because I loved them so much. But then a game like Darkest Dungeon, I adore Darkest Dungeon, but I still haven't actually gotten to the end of it. I have like four hundred hours in it, but I've still never actually beaten it. Mm-hmm. I played Witcher 3 and I I didn't finish it and it was just because it, it had, I tend to do all the side quests if I can and yeah. I got so exhausted that I just had to stop and like compared to for example reading the actual Witcher book series which was a breeze like side quests there's so much content that's sometimes irrelevant to the story or doesn't support so the story. So there is that fatigue that yeah. is that yeah, I'm the same that, way. that we were talking about. Yeah. 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 I don't uh, want to be completionist. You know what I, it's like reading fan you know fiction. Have you guys Sorry. watched uh, The Mandal- Mandalorian? 
no, it kind of feels it kind of kind of feels like a compilation of side quests don't go anywhere and then there's like this vague you know main main story that will kind of pop up uh, at, towards the end of the season and and otherwise it's 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 very much structured like uh like a video game in in, in my opinion and it's basically every episode is a little side quest and then you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah, a lot of TV is like that, though. You know, look at something like I don't know, like Lucifer or something. And personally, I love that show, but it is like very episodic. Like things usually return to an equilibrium because that's the thing about a side quest is like after you're done with a side quest in a game, you kind of return to equilibrium. You know, maybe a couple of things will have changed in the world, but nothing super impactful. And like maybe you have like a new you know piece of equipment or something cool whatever, but it doesn't make like a huge impact, right? And it does feel very episodic. It feels very kind of monster of the week, kind of you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's that's part. I mean, that, I understand that to a degree because a a lot of the uh, a lot of the really good par- parts of a show like say i'll use honestly one of my favorite shows ever adventure time uh <laughs> i i love it but the very serious episodes that actually had a lot with the overarching plot that those were few and far between they were sprinkled throughout episodes that felt like monster of the week you know and yeah. that's i think that part of that is just to space things out and get a better season but i mean I think it's necessary to some degree because you see characters progress small in small ways because they do run into issues. They do have to learn certain lessons and that it's nice to see that take place over the course of several episodes rather than all seeing it packed in like five. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to I just popped in my head when you guys were talking about um fatigue i don't know if you know about this website but there's a great website out there called howlongtobeat.com have you guys oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, actually i'm curious uh howlongtobeat.com just that's one okay yeah Um, it's a great website like for example they they do like three different levels they'll have to do the main story they tell you how long it takes to do the main story plus a little extra and then to be the completionist that, uh, you know, Kiwi was or, or some others, you know, if you want to just get it all in, it tells you kind of an average uh, of what people have found. And I was looking at The Witcher 3 because that was in our discussion. It says 170, 172 hours, oh my God. which is still pretty low for me, I think. But what's funny is I looked at Red Dead Redemption 2 and it's 167 hours for that one. I think that part one, of that... Part of that is just how like simulation this RDR two is. Like I, I remember watching a, a, a review of it at some point where it's just like the movement speed is so methodical and like plotting and slow and like yeah, it's immersive, sure, but you know, compare it to The Witcher where you know Geralt moves around like he is superhuman because he is superhuman, but you know whatever. So how long do you think a completionist would take to do? Don't look it up. Skyrim. <laughs> Just, if, if, long, if the maybe. Witcher's around 170, what are your thoughts? For which game in particular? I would say at, at least 300 hours. Really? Skyrim? 
Wait, wait, for which game in particular? Um, okay. Just the Elder Scrolls Skyrim, the, the original oh, the um, base game. I don't know, man. It took game. me three years. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, man, I want to say, say 125. Uh, um, two, 229. Really? Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. That sounds I mean, about right. Not, that's, I mean, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but I find that very interesting. Pillars of Eternity comes in, the original, at 103 hours, and, and the Dead Fire specifically, the Ultimate Edition, comes in at 143 hours. That also sound about so, right. So with that, with that, with that timeline, what, what does it include? Is it just the main quest, or is it also including the DLCs or the oh, that's no, it's everything? It's everything for the completionist. No, yeah. Wow, two hundred. I do not believe that. That is. <laughs> it seems know. low. It yeah, seems it actually low. seems low yeah, to it me does too. Seem too low, yeah. yeah, it Honestly. is. I mean, so which one is the DLC, or is that just the base game? Uh, which one? Uh, I'm looking at just the uh, I'm I'm just on the games list and they have Cyberpunk and The Witcher Three really close together, and The Witcher Three is at 172 hours for a completionist playthrough, and Cyberpunk is at 97. Yeah, my Cyberpunk was uh, two. No, I'm just kidding. I I, <laughs> I put in like 60 hours uh, that I'll never get back. So anyway, uh, never mind. I got 110. Wow, 110. Uh, yeah. Gingerino, what's your hours in that game? Do you know? Do you have stats? That's what it is. 110 hours oh, on okay. Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. Wow. Sorry. That's Meanwhile, yeah. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think BG3 is going to have? Man, I hope, it's at, I hope it's at least like 100 hours. Like I, 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 like, I really hope it's way more than that, of course, but like... I'm thinking 200. Yeah, that would be nice. It'll be huge. There's no question about it. Um, I want to. We. I know I got us off track a little bit, but I want to move back to That's video cool. game stories. That's my thought, and I want to talk. A, I want to just do a quick rundown of some games, and then I want to get you each to kind of give me your example, and you can start thinking about this. Um, if you were going to use a game, I mean, I know some of you have mentioned particular games, but if you were really going to pinpoint one game um, that you think nailed storytelling um, i'm going to ask you to share that but i'm going to run down the list of the top 10 video game stories of all time um, this is on a website called ranker i'm sure you guys have seen ranker it's basically a crowd ranking website where you can go in and upvote or downvote games um, and they and it's constant it's always going on so it's it's updated pretty much um, before i get to the top 10 though these are ones that didn't make the top 10 that surprised me a little bit maybe uh dragon age inquisition is 29 on the list Ma mass effect is 27 horizon zero dawn is 24 i always thought that would skyrim's only 22 but i can kind of understand that uncharted 4 did not make the top 10 which surprised me a little bit um it's number 19 uh, final fantasy 7 is number 14 um and it kind of makes you start to think well wait what are the top 10 then so I'm going to rattle through them pretty quick. So number 10, um, count it down. Number 10 is a game called Life is Strange. Oh, oh I okay. love it. So wow, I've never heard of it. <laughs> number nine is Red Dead Redemption 2. Interesting. Number eight is the original Metal Gear Solid from 1998. Okay. Number seven, Fallout New Vegas. Yay, Obsidian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number six is Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, I, I do love yeah. Bioshock. Oh, no, that one's good, man. And the first Bioshock, oh, 
first Bioshock I'd put above Infinite personally. Really? It's got, yeah, some, yeah. It's got some structural problems that I'm like, I love the game, but it's yeah. Oh yeah, no, Infinite definitely has structural problems. I actually like Bioshock 2 better than the first Bioshock though. Oh, a lot of people, yeah. Bioshock Two was done dirty when it was released. It's it's actually really good. It is now, underrated. Anyway. Number five on the list was not a surprise. I knew this would be in the top ten, but the two thousand and three game Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Oh yeah, <laughs> very impressed. And number four, somebody mentioned this one today already, and that is um, Telltale's The Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're up to, to the top three. And those of you who aren't cheating and looking on a website, um, of the ones that I haven't mentioned, um, the top three, anybody want to throw a title out there that they think this I is mean, from Crowd? I Last of Us. Just okay. saying. Last of Us. Last any of others? Water Simulator. Okay, wait a minute. Is this like uh, Crowd? This is Crowdsource. This is Crowd Ranking. This isn't just oh, RPGs. Boy. This is storytelling uh, of all time. I am bred for sure. Is on <laughs> oh wow! So plane, Planescape's not there then, probably. No, that was just RPGs, I guess. Yeah. But um, so anyway, number three, Witcher three. Okay, yeah, yeah. Number two is a shocker. Number one is not a shocker, duh. But number two, I'm a little stunned by having played it, and not that I want to take anything away from the story, but the sequel is better. Anyway, I don't know. I just Number two is Red Dead Redemption, the original. Uh, wow, that oof. is a shocker. I mean, it's okay. It's like a spaghetti western. I mean, it's yeah, great, but it's, it's 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 I don't know. It's it a little does too what it tropey. sets out to do, but like, yeah, it's it's super tropey and like predictable. And well, okay, predictable to a point. And number one, of course, I told you, The Last of Us. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, everybody looks at that game, whether however you feel about it personally, that one's on the list. So these yeah. are all what people have said for games in general. So just want to quickly run down, get your you get your take on what if you were sitting across the table from an alien and you said this is the best. I hate that. example. I always use that example. That's so <laughs> terrible. It's so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, um, he can't even speak your language. What is he going to listen to you about a, a video game story? Oh, he doesn't even have fingers to play video right. games with. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. What is your primary example? So we're going to go down the list. So Ginger, you know, you're up first. What is your one example of the best storytelling in a video game? Oh, man, I have 20 games that I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am surprised about two games that didn't make it on the list somewhere. And that is the uh, God of War reboot and Final Fantasy X. I'm surprised that those didn't get on. Special Final that. Fantasy X. Yeah. That, that one was really immersive for the story. I, but maybe I just... Uh, have fond memories. It's at uh, it's number twenty five on the list. I'm looking at. It oh, right okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I don't have the list in front of me because. All right. You, all right. Ask me nicely. All right, Jed Man, do you? I mean, I've been talking it up a lot, but probably New Vegas. Honestly, like it, it's it's just really, really, really well done. It's 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 to me a perfect example of what video game storytelling can and should be you know the the branching the the immersion you know it's it's great it's a good one jesse what what is your your quintessential example your top of the list storytelling i I must admit i've been agonizing over this because i have so many (laughs) games that i love but um if i if i had to say one 
in particular, I'd probably go with uh, New Vegas as well. But I will yeah. say uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is also a contender. Ooh, that makes I sense. Love, I love Bloodlines very dearly. Okay, Kiwi. What? What? I know what it is. All right, wait, I'm not going <laughs> to predict it for you, Kiwi. I'm. I'm going to give you back. I'll let you say it. Go ahead. What's okay. the number one? Landscape. Oh, I thought you were going to say Pillars One. Planescape makes sense. Story one is okay, but it's well, it's made in a way that is like it's mysterious, and some people don't even get it, get it when they finish the game. But uh, torment is very, uh, very philosophical. Very yeah, cool. Absolutely, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, Lazar, what did you pick? Uh, okay, just to just to deviate from the conversation a little, I, I like it. Like in um, in Oblivion, I I like the the myriad of little stories that you can find, uh, you know, in the in, in the world. So it's, it's not yeah. like this, you know, big like huge overarching thing, which is okay, I guess. You know, the mythic dawn quest line, I guess, it's fine. But uh, you, you know, so something that's much more enjoyable, and you know, we've been talking about uh, how you know, I, I think that video game is is like the only genre, like the storytelling genre that is capable of uh, doing this or telling stories in a way like this. And you, you, that you know, like a myriad of, of little stories depending on your discoveries in in the world that has been uh, that you, you've stepped into. Uh, I, I really appreciate these little things in. Olivia. Well, it's kind of nice because you, you, what you're saying is instead of having to enjoy one big story arc, you have like little mini stories within that, that each one is a new surprise and like kind of gives you that relief from the Bane story, maybe kind of is what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Parenthesis, what do you, what, what would be your example of a good story telling game? I, I have to go to with New Vegas as well. It's, it's oh, a game no, that, <laughs> that successfully takes a, a multitude of, of, of small stories through the game and focus and use them to focus the, the main story, this conflict between all these these major factions. And and you, you see and you feel how the current situation is touched and touches upon everything else. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a top. That's number seven on this list, but that's that's one of the top on mine as well. Uh, Triometry. So, so am I allowed to pick from the list? Like that that was already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So honestly, guys, I really have to stick with The Last of Us. So, like, like it really does an excellent job at really just combining emotions and just immersive gameplay, um, you know, for, for, for the player. I think the one thing that it really does right is that, yes, it has that forcing element. Yes, it has that linear approach to wanting to obviously understand the storyline and just go through it. But what really makes it stand out is on top of that, and this I really love the most, by the way, is that even when you're exploring the world of The Last of Us, which is linear, by the way, but they've added some places, things like, you know, houses or lockboxes or things like that, which you could go at your own time to learn things about the storyline that if you if, that the normal player would probably not know about already. Okay, yes. so, so if I wanted to learn about maybe how 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 the vaccine you know or why it didn't work or why it took so long right there are some recordings in some bedrooms of people's you know houses or or whatnot you could just go venture out and just find that you know what i mean i think that's really awesome to immerse the player even further right on top of what's already delivered in the linear approach so so 
and it just really does a good job at emotions. It's just, it really tells you, you know, again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, what's at stake and how they deliver it to you. So it does a really good job at knowing, okay, this is a really big, serious situation. Let's see what goes on, you know, in the, in the world of The Last of Us. So I have to really give it number one, hands down. That's a, that's a really interesting point we haven't really brought up environmental storytelling no, yeah, no, point. And, and it really is because you get to go out of your own time to explore yeah. what you want and, and and it's not just something you just say you know hey you just collect an item hey it's a little token it just tells you maybe something you know it, it leaves you with some questions no it's something you do find even rich detail to some extent you know like recordings to some notes right of some maybe special types of infected yada yada so so i really have to give it to the last of us really hands down so I'm going to pick, uh, for me, it was a tie and I'm going to give it to one of them, but the tie was between Fallout New Vegas and The Witcher 3 for me. And I'm going to actually lean towards The Witcher 3 because I, I, it connected with me. I wouldn't say the story is that completely emotional, but I maybe because of the Siri and the kind of father daughter relationship. I have a daughter. And so maybe that played into it a little bit and why I connected to it a lot. Um, but I really loved that game and all the expansions and it just intrigued me and kept the story kept me going. I wanted to find out what was going to happen next. Um, but I think everyone we've mentioned are, I would agree are all fantastic examples. I will find you in the shattered passage. Until then, leave me to my thoughts. And that's it for today. We're going to wrap up. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about. We're going to, in the next episode, turn the focus specifically on the story in Pillars 1 and Pillars 2, uh, spoiler free. Uh, and we will be talking about what we think the story in Avowed might be in more detail, kind of looking at the trailer and the, and the words they use in the trailer. That'll be the next episode. So we're going to leave you today as we always leave you with the musical genius of Justin Bell. So close your eyes, sit back and enjoy. Mm -hmm.